Tea Time, Midlife Edition. It's not a coffee break. It's tea time. Slow down. Relax. It's your turn. Welcome, 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 welcome. Turn the tea kettle on. Pick your favorite tea. Grab your favorite teacup. Let it steep. Add what you will. Find a cozy spot. It's tea time. Midlife edition. Welcome to Tea Time Midlife Edition. I'm your host, Regina Young. And today's guest is Melissa Davies. She is a wonderful uh, producer, uh, director, whole producer that produced the, the movie documentary Beyond 60. And I just want to welcome you. How Thank are- you. Thank you so much. It's great to be here with you. Ah, cheers. I just, I, I, before we even get going, let's just stop right here. What kind of tea are you drinking? I am drinking Republic of Teas Orange Cranberry Tea. Oh. And it is very, very refreshing. Ah. It's kind of a summery tea. It sounds like it with yeah. the, the orange, yes. Yeah. I, I love that. It must smell like delicious. I it can does. Kind of... <laughs> it does. And if you want, you can add ice cubes and make it into iced tea. Oh, yeah, that sounds really good. Today, I am drinking passion flower tea. It's a loose Ooh, tea. Nice. So, and um, some of the properties that the passion flower tea has is it's good for ins- insomnia. And um, actually, it helps reduce hot flashes. Oh, good. Yes, exactly. From menopause. And um, it actually just promotes general relaxation. It's a loose tea. So you get it in bags, but Mm, I prefer it loose, but, yeah. you know, check with your doctor or your herbalist for um, these teas and see if that it fits in your health regimen. So, Melissa, I want to know what made you think, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at midlife and beyond that that's a good time to change careers and become a director, make a documentary like, wow. 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 Um, What made me think it was my age. Actually, I was a little bit beyond mid age when I uh, made the decision. I was 65 at the time. And I was sitting in a corporate career that I'd been in for more than two decades. Mm. And I was, you know, something happened with the company, you know, we were selling again to private equity. And I had been through that a couple times before and I knew what it entailed. And the question from the CEO is, are you ready to do another five years? Because wow. there, there's that expectation that senior management will re-up for at least another five years. Um, and I, I, that's when it kind of hit me that, whoa, I'm already 65. Mm. Do I really want to sit here for another five years? And what would I do if I wasn't sitting here Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it made me just go through this inventory and I started really thinking about all of the things I hadn't done in life that were very interesting to me and things that I might have 
fantasized about yes. on a regular basis. But you know, you know how you get into a job or a career and your identity is pretty much rounded out right there. And, Absolutely. and yeah. And then when you start to think about other things, you're like, well, I don't have any experience in that, or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have any training. How would I, how would I possibly do that? Mm-hmm. Or the big fear question, what if I fail? I mean, that, that, that's a big one. So do you stay where it's safe or do you jump out? And um, something again happened where I ended up spending the day on a movie set with a famous director. And he asked me what I did for work. And I tried to explain my corporate position to this you know, film director who had never done anything but film. Mm. And he, his eyes kind of glazed over and he looked at me and he said, what do you really wanna do? And I said, oh, I want your job. And he said, well, you better hurry up. Uh-huh. So all this was happening at the same time. And I was already thinking about what my next move was. He made that comment to me as pretty much a joke. Yeah, you know, it was a casual. five mm-hmm. second conversation. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And, and it made me sit back and say, he's absolutely right. If I am going to you know, honor any of these fantasies, I really better hurry up because at 65, you don't know how much time you have left to put into a new endeavor that will obviously take time of learning and doing. So I made the decision that night after coming back from that day with him. And I told my husband. That is amazing. And um, can I ask... Who was that director? And how did you come across uh, a set? It's not something I would have someone say, oh, you know what? I was just on set. Uh, Yeah, how? (laughs) Right. Well, it's an interesting story how it happened. And it makes me really believe in following detours and and really following a a different path because you never know what might be down at the other end. And it Mm. was, I was coming back from Washington, D.C. I had been at a meeting uh, with Congress that I've been, uh, it was Groundhog Day. I'd been to the same meeting <laughs> at least 20 times. Nothing was moving forward. I was getting older. And I remember sitting there thinking, this is ridiculous. And I left there instead of staying the full day and I came home early. And mm. instead of going back to work, I called a friend that I hadn't seen in a year because I was so busy. And she's younger, she has you know children. Yes. So she said, yeah, come on over for lunch. And, but you have to go with me to pick up Grace from school and we have to drop her off at a horse barn. And I said, okay. So driving up the dirt road, she said, and she did this drive every day. She said, you know, I think they're making a movie over there. Huh. And I, that's what I said, huh? And I looked <laughs> over and sure enough, it looked like a, you know, a bunch of movie equipment and whatnot. And so we drove and dropped her off and came back down and I asked her to stop. And we sat on the side of this dirt road watching the activity. And I said, I bet I know who it is. And she was kind of like, well, how could you know? And I said, M. Night Shyamalan, he lives here and he makes spooky movies. And this looks like a spooky movie (laughs) set leading up to this old farmhouse. I said, I'll bet you anything. So I checked my iPhone uh, you know, I went, I Googled his name and up, this is unbelievable, but up came his website and a picture 
of where we were sitting. Wow. So these trees going down this long driveway to this creepy looking old farmhouse. And I said, well, I'll bet, I guess we're, I'm right. So there we were sitting there and I'm looking at the phone and on his site was information about this foundation that he has. And there was a red button said charity buzz. And so being curious as I am, I hit the button and it pops up win a day on the set with M. Night Shyamalan. So my friend wow. is like, you have to do this. <laughs> you have to do it. And I said, I think you're right. So I started bidding because they were raising money for the foundation, oh, got it. which I found to be very interesting and felt good about supporting it. Mm -hmm. And I started bidding and I bid for a couple of weeks um, against, uh, I was neck and neck with a dentist in New Jersey. <laughs> who also apparently wanted to be on film set. And, uh, and, you know, short story, I was sitting at my job and I had the phone propped up because I knew that afternoon they were going to announce and boom, Melissa Davey wins the day on the set with them. Wow. <laughs> right. It was an expensive win. Set, <laughs> but very, uh, you know, it went to a very worthy cause. So I it didn't feel bad about that at all. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. so two weeks later, I was with him, you know, for more than eight hours, uh, wow. you know, an entire shoot with him and all of his crew. Um, and, and he was doing the movie, The Visit at the time. And we were doing a special uh, segment of that film at the train station. Um, the Amtrak station, you know, that one in Philadelphia. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And wow. we actually, sweet. Sure. yes, yeah. he rented a train and we were on that back and forth, you know, an Amtrak train that he rented to Harrisburg and back where he was wow. filming the scene. And, and if you look very closely in the beginning, you'll see me sitting in the seat, but anyway, um, extraordinary your debut yeah yeah that was my <laughs> <Your> debut <laughs> so that was you know and when he asked me the question at lunch that day about what do I really want to do that's when it all came together that because I'd already been thinking about it going through this inventory before I even knew about his project and charity buzz and then that happened because I took a detour that day. Mm. I didn't go back to work. I mm. did something out of the ordinary. Yes. And that made me realize that, hey, kid, if you're going to do anything, you might as well do it right now. Absolutely. And, and that's when I decided to jump ship. I gave a year's notice because mm. I needed to mentor somebody to, you know, take over a whole division of the company. Um, and in that year, I was able to plan what it is that I was going to do, what this film uh, would look like to me, and then what did I need to put together to make it work? What, what were my steps? Got it. That's the universe providing. You, you put something out in the universe, and then all of a sudden, wow, it shows up in your space, and it yes. is amazing. How did you, after your planning and uh, plotting out for a year, come across, uh, you know, rolling pictures? How did that come to pass? Rolling pictures? Yes. Okay. Well, remember, I first I uh, found a production company in Philadelphia, Expressway Productions. Got it. And I brought them on and they became my team, my mm -hmm. partners in crime, because I didn't know anything about 
camera lights and sound. I knew what I wanted to do with the film, but I needed somebody to teach me and be with me to make this dream come true. So they became my partners for three years. So, you know, we did that for three years. We finished the film. That was my first goal. Could I figure out how to make a film? Yes. They helped me realize that dream. And there it was, it was done. So the next thing was to try to get into a film festival, which I, you know, I had my doubts because they're very difficult to get into, especially the big ones. They're so Hollywoodized now. Exactly. Um, You know, and so I started applying to film festivals and I thought, okay, if I get into one, I'm going to feel like, okay, I I did that. That was the next step. (laughs) Well, so now I wanted to see how many of these film festivals could I get into? So I applied to many. And instead of just getting into one, we got into eight. And so I spent all of 2019 going to film festivals across the country and in Canada. And yeah. And so that was kind of a, it was an amazing uh, experience. So I got that you got into uh, the film festivals, but how did they receive a film about a woman or women in midlife and beyond in their 60s, really uh, beyond 60s? How did they receive that? That, you know, being accepted means it has been screened and approved by their board of people who screen the films. So half of, you know, I I applied to many, half I didn't get into. So there's your answer. Uh Some people wouldn't even consider showing a film about women over the age of 60. The, the others were, I mean, they, they even said to me the mm-hmm. you know, like the administrators of the festival, this is unique. This, these stories need to be told. It's in a unique voice because it's yours and you're an older woman. Uh, it's your story as well as their story. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of positive feedback about it. Mm-hmm. And the film goers at these festivals loved it. Mm-hmm. So, so that was the first indication that okay, this film, it, it reaches people and it is inspiring for people. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I love, uh, uh, I'm not going to give a lot away because, you know, the point is to see, <laughs> is um, I love that you're talking to, um, let's say, millennials or younger folks and as older women with experience and a life of learning and wisdom, um, you know, that you could, you know, share with other younger women that may help them, you know, understand or chart their path and become, uh, you know, stronger women. Yeah. Um, how did you come up with that concept or what made you think, oh, that's the way to go? Why don't you just tell the women who are midlife and beyond uh, um, and 60 and beyond that they, uh, they just tell their story? I mean, they're extraordinary women in their own right. Why do they have to share? You know, one of the things that I was toying with was the crew that I was working with were, they were all 20 and 30 something. So I was the novice and they were the teacher. It was such a role reversal. It was awesome. awesome. It was awesome awesome experience for for all of us actually. And they just loved the women's stories. So there was always this thought in my mind that I wonder if somehow I could get the crew to 
make comments about their experience. And we started playing with that. And the producer who's from Expressway Productions, his name is Jim, who was turned, he was my partner in this. Gotcha. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He like, he said, I think we should get young women. Just mm -hmm. forget the guys and let's, you know, really uh, have a contrast there. Yes. That, yeah. So it was really his idea to do all women. Gotcha. And then it was, we had to figure out where we're going to find them. And we went to people we knew in Philadelphia yeah. and they went after um, a group of young women who are artists and um, oh. young entrepreneurs. Awesome. Like the women that you see in the film are remarkable. Yes. In that they are either phenomenal artists and or they've had their own businesses or their second or third businesses. And they're in their 20s. Wow. Yeah. How did you find the women that um, was uh, interviewed in the documentary? How did you find them? Because there's some powerful women. I mean, all of them are powerful and they're all right, but there's some that really are standout. It, it was uh, Googling, looking for stories, trying to make sure that I didn't want celebrities that everybody knew. You know, I definitely wanted people that you would pass on the street and you wouldn't know who they are, but they have these big stories. Yes, exactly. Um, so I started a lot of research and uh, asking everybody I knew, have you heard of a story? Do you know of anybody? And it just started snowballing where people would say, call this woman because she knows a woman. And so yes. there were lots for that year I was calling. I talked to, you know, 80 plus women. Um, wow. In the process of trying to pick the ones that I wanted for the film. And they all had wonderful stories. They all could have been in a film. And it was the, the ones that I ended up with were, uh, we had a connection right from the beginning. Mm. And it maintained during this different phases of interviews on the telephone. Wow. So, yeah. That's how it worked. I love it. I, I, I definitely saw one. Um, was it a uh, uh, relative of Madam C? Oh, yes. Is it Madam Walker? Walker. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Lilia Bundles is an amazing woman. Um, I, I just love her. And spending the day with her was incredible because I knew about Madam C.J. Walker um, from a little bit of history that I had read, but I didn't know the whole story. Yeah. And to hear the story from her great, great granddaughter mm. who became her historian, you know, and wrote this book about her and how dismissive Alelia was of her great, great grandmother in the beginning. Yes. It took her a long time to warm up to the idea. Wow. This is a very unique person that was in my family history. And so she did end up writing the book about her. But, you know, anything that you might have heard about Madam C.J. Walker that wasn't true, Alelia was very clear about. And she was able to shed new light on the first, you know, female millionaire exactly. back in the 1800s. I mean, it's just it's a phenomenal story. Uh, absolutely. And Alelia is an amazing journalist and storyteller. She's a wonderful person. Yeah, um, all, all the stories are extraordinary, but that one just happened to step out for me yeah. because I know she's a woman of color yes. and, uh, uh, and it's just extraordinary. What at first acknowledge you hats off for taking that role on and actually shedding light and having women 60 and beyond, actually midlife and beyond be seen and heard in midlife. And uh, that's, you know, hats off. 
Yeah. And, and who you are being is, uh, is extraordinary too, because wow, you're, it seems like you're unstoppable. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> that has something to do with being 70, where you're looking at the clock saying, oh, I have to run a little faster. Look, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it now, right? <laughs> exactly. So, and, and if you get passionate about something and you fall in love with it, it's not a job. It's just this, it's a dream that you get to live. And, I, you know, I feel so fortunate. So I don't want to stop. And next, I'm looking at a couple of projects right now. And one is about uh, undocumented immigrants coming to the US and how much passion they have for our country and how much good they do in our country. So I'm playing with that in the very, very early stages. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So how could someone get a hold of you? I mean, you know, you know, want to connect with you, want to be part of the team. Yes, they can go on our website, which is beyond 60, S-I-X-T-Y, all one word, dot com. Um, and there's an area there to leave a message for me uh, and I can get in touch that way. They can also find us on Facebook. We have a Beyond 60 page, Instagram, Twitter, wherever. I'm on LinkedIn, Melissa Davey. Um, so there are a number of ways to get in touch. Awesome. Well, Melissa, it has been a total pleasure. And I look forward to um, hearing so many great things in the future. Thank, Thank you. you. This has been Tea Time Midlife Edition. Cheers. It's Tea Time Midlife Edition. <laughs>